Hey, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. I hope this message will bless, encourage, and challenge you to walk into all that God has for you. So I hope you're ready for it. I'm excited for you to hear it. Let's get into it. Two, three, and I'd just like to greet everyone and say thank you for joining us during our Good Friday um, message. Uh, my name is Pastor Jay. I am the pastor of Faith Point Church Cape Town, and I'm so excited to be sharing this message with each one of us today. Uh, before we get into the word, I'm just going to ask, can we all just pray as we're going to hear God's word and just pray that it impacts us today. Let's pray. Um, God, I come before you. I thank you that we are able to celebrate who you are and celebrate the great um, gift that you've given us uh, as we think about the great sacrifice and we think about the power of the gospel today. I pray, my God, as I'll be teaching and explaining more about the gospel, may this have um, a clearer, may this give us a clearer view and understanding of what you've done. And I pray, may it cause us to love you more. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. We all said, Amen. Amen. Now, I want us all to know, often the Bible, uh, the gospel, is taught to people like it is just this beginning message in a greater scheme of different messages that come from the Bible. But I want you to know today that the gospel is everything. The gospel, if, if all teachings in the Bible were to be like mountains on a horizon, the gospel would be the highest mountain and it should never be treated like it is this small uh, teaching just for children in a Sunday school or just for new Christians. This is something that we ought to be meditating on, thinking on, um, throughout the year and throughout our lives. Um, I want us to just realize also that if we had all the other teachings in scripture, that we would be um, under condemnation because that it's only through the gospel, it is only through the gospel that we find grace. It is only through the gospel that we find hope because without the gospel, we are hopeless. Without the gospel, we are stuck. We are cursed. But because of the gospel, there is hope for us and there is joy and there is peace. Now, let us get into this a bit more. You know, before we understand the good news, often they say you have to understand the bad news. And the bad news is that we are all sinners. We are all sinners. Now, the thing is, sometimes when a person thinks of being a sinner, they often think of oh, someone who does bad things sometimes. But a sinner is not just someone who does bad things sometimes. We have to remember that we are sinners because there is a God who has a high and holy standard that we have broken. Now, <clears throat> for us sometimes, even when you say sinner, you may think, no, it's not a big thing. But when you are thinking about sinning against a holy God. You must understand that that is a big and a scary reality. You know, if you were to uh, sin or do something wrong towards a friend, you know, your friend might give you a little bit of a push. If you do something wrong towards a wife or a husband, you might have an argument or something. But if you were to threaten the president, you would go to jail. Now think about this. The punishment is different because of who you have sinned against. Now think about us sinning against a holy and a great and a perfect God. What will the punishment be of a human who sins against a great and powerful God? 
You see, that is the bad news. Let's, let's continue going into this. Uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23 to 24, it says, all, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came through Christ. Now, the Bible says the bad news. We've all sinned. We've, we've all um, offended God by our actions, by our lives, by the sin that is in our nature. But now the Bible is bringing in the message of the gospel, which says we are justified freely by grace. Now, being justified, it simply means that you are, you are made just, you, you are put right with God. So this is what the Bible begins to bring in. Something you must know is if you are saved, you are justified. But what does that mean? You know, all religions around the world, they will say the same thing, that there is a God that we need to be right with. And we have to do whatever we can to be right with the God. We have sinned in some way. Now, I want you to know the difference between our faith in Christ and the faith of other people and other religions. There are two types of uh, belief systems. One is a works-based religion and one is a grace-based religion. Now, Christianity is the one faith that is completely based on grace. You see, all other religions will either be telling you that you need to work, you need to do something to be right with God. You need to be a certain way. You need to go on a pilgrimage. You need to fast. You need to pray to make you right with a God. But with Christianity and with us, we reject all those things and we say, you know what? The reason that we are right with God, the reason that you are right with God is not because of what you do. It's not your actions. Why? Because we... In the faith of Christianity, our faith, it keeps God holy. We see God as holy and we see us as sinners. And a sinner can never do anything right to please a holy God. The only hope we have is in Christ. So we do not have any space to boast. You don't have any space to boast. And this is why it's wrong for you to have any judgmental attitude. Because the only reason you are right with God, it's not because of your own merit. Even the faith that you've been given is given to you by God. You have been justified by God, not by your own actions. Um, if I was in church, I would say, can somebody say amen? <laughs> um, but the Bible tells us about who we are. And this is what the gospel speaks of. The Bible is, is telling us who we are compared to who God is. And the Bible says that we are sinners. We are evil. The Bible tells us when Jesus came on earth that he was hated for no reason. He was completely hated for no reason and was not given. Uh, and, and mankind hated him without a cause. So it's not... So when we think about just that, when you think about the fact that mankind was rejecting God, when mankind was rejecting a good... Uh, loving savior and it again puts judgment upon mankind to say hey we have sinned against god and we need him to justify us can we go to the book of romans chapter 3 verse 24 to 25 it says and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by christ jesus god presented christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished now one thing that we must know, the, 
which is the scariest thing about God. You know, many times you'll be in church and people will say God is good and people say all the time and all the time God is good. That is not just a small thing to say because the Bible tells us that God is good. Now think about this. As I just said, a mighty and a powerful God is good. But the Bible just said we are sinners. Now what must a good God do with sinners? If because, not if, because God is good, what must his response be to people who sin? Now this is the big question. This is the big question of the gospel. The big question, and I want you to think about this. How can God be good yet forgive sin? How can God be good yet forgive sin? Because if you're good, you must punish. If you are good, you must punish what is wrong. You must deal with the wrong. You can't just forgive it, right? So now let's go to the book of Exodus chapter 34, verse 5 to 7, where God reveals himself to Moses. It says, Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. He passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sins. Yet he does not... Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Now, if you read that carefully, what you'll realize is that the Bible said that God will forgive wickedness, rebellion, and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Now, does that not sound like a contradiction? Does that not sound like a contradiction that God were to say that he will forgive sins, but he won't let the guilty go unpunished? Those two things sound like contradictions, but the gospel makes it clear that those things are not uh, contradictions. And we're going to clarify that as we move forward. So Romans chapter 4 verse 7, it says another thing that sounds quite contradictory. It says, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Now, when you hear the word transgression in the Bible, it is to God the worst It is like a transgression is something that is purely dark in the eyes of God and God is not happy with it. But the Bible says that your transgression gets forgiven. Again, I ask you, how can a good God, a good God, a right God forgive sins? You see, when we hear things like that in South Africa, in our country, we have many complaints about the fact that there are people who go to trial people who've done wrong, but the judge will give them a small sentence and we will say that is not right. You see, that's the same thing that the the gospel is all about. This is the tension with the gospel. You see, you are the guilty party. You are the one who has sinned against God. You are the one who has sinned against him with your words, with your mind, with your action. And now you are standing before him And how, if he is good, because he is good, he cannot let you go free. Just imagine a judge letting go of someone who we all know has done a great sin. We would not be happy with it. So again, the gospel is bringing this to you to say, how can a good God forgive evil people? Because he has to deal with it. So now let's go back to... um, uh, all of these things are going to be made clear. I'm going to explain it. So Romans chapter 3, verse 27 to verse 24 to 25. We're going to read that again. It says, And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that Christ 
that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed um, beforehand unpunished. Now, what is redemption? Redemption is a price for freedom. Redemption is a price for freedom. Now we must ask ourselves, when we say Jesus paid it all, Jesus paid the price, God paid the price, who was the price paid to? You see, some people will say that the price was paid to the devil, and that is wrong. God did not pay a price to the devil, because if you are saying God paid a price to the devil, you are saying that the devil was once in a position of power over God, and God had to pay to get something from the devil, and that is not true. Did God, did um, we get saved from sin? How can we be saved from sin? Because we are seeing people sin every day and nothing is really happening to them. Unless there are some sins that will lead to some health complications or people go to jail. But other than that, people are sinning every day and nothing is going wrong with them. So we, it, we can't be saying you are saved from sin. You see, what we need to understand is that we are not saved from the devil. We are not saved from sin. When someone says you are saved, it means you are saved from something, from a danger. If you say you saved me, and us saying we are saved, it means we are saved from a danger, from a danger that was coming our way. It's not the devil that you were saved from. It's not sin that you were saved from. What you were saved from, you were saved from the judgment of God. Because think about this, if, if people say you are saved from the devil, how can the devil punish you for obeying him when he told you to sin? Why would he punish you for doing wrong? No, 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 no. You're not saved from the devil. When we say we are saved, we are saved from God's judgment. We are saved from God's judgment of our sin. It is not the devil who brings judgment. The devil is not a judge. The devil has no say over the complete destiny of your life. The devil does not have the final say. It does not have complete authority over your soul or any soul. It is God. Now maybe you've heard many different types of teachings to say that we've been saved by the devil. We're saved from the devil. No, we, no, we are saved from the judgment of our sins from a holy God that is what we are safe from what is God's you know people say God is love God is love God is love and it's so true he is love but your understanding of God's love needs to be clear because the love of God is not the love like mankind God's love is as much as it is beautiful and it is warm and it is kind, his love is also very dangerous. His love is also something you must fear. His love is not something you play with. It is something that it is as sharp as a double-edged sword set on fire in the hand of a warrior. That is the love of God. You see, each time you say you love, it is also saying that there is something you hate. You see, if a mother loves her child, she will hate anything that comes against her child. If a person loves their country, they hate anything that comes against their country. Now think about God. If God is love and he loves all things that are pure, his attitude towards anything that is not righteous is hate. 
You see, we must know a thing about sin. And when we say we are sinners, this is the, the scary thing and the thing that must cause the fear of God to come in your heart. Is that when you sin, it is not just God looking at you saying, I dislike that. It is hate towards sin. And God has to judge. And God will judge. And li- listen to me. God will judge because he is a good God. It doesn't matter what sin has happened. He is going to judge it. As we had just read, he will not let any sin go unpunished. Some, some people will say, I don't agree with you, Pastor Jay. I don't want to agree that God is an angry God. I think God is a God who's always smiling. Well, I want you to think about if you had heard that there was someone who lived next door to you and you didn't know what was going on for a couple of years, but you heard that there was a man who was molesting a little child for many years and it came to your attention, would you not be angry? Would you not be upset at the fact that there is a wrong and evil thing happening close to you? You see, it is not, you don't, are not the only one with the right to have those emotions. You're not the only one with the right to be angry when we see men, uh, men abuse women or when we see child abuse, domestic abuse, or when we see any type of violence or crime happening. We are not the only ones who have the right to be angry. Imagine a God who is perfectly holy, his anger towards sin. God is not a God who is just sitting back and watching sin happen. He is angry and he will deal with every sin. He will deal with every sin. Why? Because he is good. Why will God deal with every sin? Because he is love. Why will God deal with every sin? Because he is holy. This is why God is going to deal with every sin and he will punish it and he will not let any sin be unpunished. You know, it's not a question that sometimes people will say, how can a good God send people to hell? You see, you're starting the question the wrong way. You are completely starting that question the wrong way. You can't say, how can a, a good God send people to hell? You see, you are acting like you are the victim when you ask that question. You see, what we must understand is God is a holy God. He is perfect. He's never broken a promise. He's remained good. He's remained loving. He's remained peaceful. He's remained faithful to his word from the beginning of time until where we are now, and he will stay that way. But it is us. It is people who have offended a perfect God. How dare mankind use the breath that God has given them to curse him? How dare mankind use the borrowed time that God has given them that they would go and pursue other things outside of God? How dare us? How dare we? It's not how, it's not how can a good God throw people into hell. God is the one who's been offended. God is the one who wrong has happened to. We are the offenders. We are guilty. We are the ones who deserve to be punished. It is not others. It is, think about yourself. It is how dare you. God is the one who was offended. We are the offenders. God is the one who was wronged. We are the wrong. 
Now, this is something that can be very sobering to us, but it still brings us to a place where we say, but we are still stuck. If God is going to judge all sin, and if there's nothing we can do to be right with him, you see, this is a thing that must be very clear to you, is that there is nothing you can do to be right with God. Because you are a sinner, it means your hands are filthy with sin. It means it doesn't matter if you completely memorize the Bible. It doesn't matter if you have a big ministry. It doesn't matter if you are leading people to God. Those things do not make you right with God. It doesn't matter if you can pray all night. It doesn't matter if you can fast for 40 days and 40 nights. That does not make you right with God. If you believe that, then you are following a religion of works and that is not grace that is not grace it is not what you do that makes you right with god so now the bible brings us a word called propitiation or atonement it says to satisfy the justice or the anger of god how does this anger that i'm speaking about get satisfied how does it get dealt with you see the Bible said that every sin is going to be, is going to be judged in, in the book of Exodus in verse, seven, uh, in verse 6 and 7. Um, it says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, gracious God. That's Exodus 34, verse 5 to 7. I'm just reading in the middle here. It says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love, faith and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving the wickedness and rebellion and sin. And it says, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. So now how can God be a God who forgives, but he's also a God who's going to punish every sin? You see, this is where the gospel message comes in. You know, in Easter, many times people will take time speaking about a thorn cross. People will be talking about whips on Jesus' back. People will be talking about Roman soldiers. People will be talking about spears on the side. Listen, if you are listening to me, I want you to know that cruci uh, being crucified, crucifixion, was not unique to Jesus. There were many people who were crucified before Jesus. That, that's how people were punished in those days. That was the, the, pun the high punishment of people who were criminals in those days. So I want you to know, again, look, many people were, were um, crucified. Many people were crucified before Jesus, and after Jesus, many people were crucified. But on the cross, now what happened on the cross? And this is what Good Friday is. This is why this day is good. What happened on the cross? It wasn't about whips because many criminals were whipped. Many criminals were beaten. Many criminals were insulted. That is not why we have forgiveness. What happened on the cross was as Jesus was there hanging, the anger of God, the anger of God towards your sin was poured upon Jesus. This is why we celebrate the cross. This is why we speak of a cross that is there and, and we, it is the, the symbol of our faith. It is because the anger that was supposed to come upon you, the judgment that was supposed to come over your sins, the pain that was supposed to fall upon you because of your own actions, 
all of that came upon the head of Jesus. All of that. You see, I, I previously spoke about redemption, a price that was paid. You see, because you sinned, you could not pay the price to God. You could not pay the price to God. So what does God do because he's good? What God does is he pays the price that you could not pay. You see, what, you see, some people say that God does not want perfection. But in order to be right with him, he did demand perfection. But mankind could not be perfect because all of us were born into sin. So we were stuck. So what did God do? He sends his son. He pays perfection. He pays the high price that you could not pay. He sends his son. And he pays the price to himself. Because there was no one who could reach the level and standard of holiness but God himself. So God sends him his son. He sends his son. And he puts his son on the cross. So that the anger and the judgment that was supposed to come upon man. So that the price that man could not pay would be paid upon the head of Jesus. Now, as I said, every sin is going to be judged. Now, but you have a choice of how your sin will be punished. Every single sin, God is a holy God and he is not playing games. Every sin will be punished. It's either you make a decision to put your faith in Christ that your sins would be punished upon him on the cross or you are going to pay the price yourself by being in eternal judgment eternal judgment in hell god will judge every sin now the gospel tells us that this is our only hope you see because you were a sinner there's nothing you could do See, I'm getting excited about this. There is nothing you could do to be right with him. So he sends Jesus. And all you can do is put your faith in Jesus. That's all you can do. Because er all other attempts and efforts would not work. All other attempts you would try, it, you were still in trouble. You were still going to hell. Even if you were to do whatever, whatever you open charities, you give to the poor, you, you, you clothe people who don't have clothes. If you don't have Jesus, if you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. So what the gospel tells us that all we can do is put our faith in him. That's all we can do to be right with God. And the anger that he had towards you, the judgment that was supposed to come towards you, is taken away. And what God then does is he treats you as if you've never sinned. He treats you as if you've never sinned. 
And you know, this is one of the reasons why when we pray, we say in Jesus' name. I know once someone asked me, why do we say in Jesus' name when we pray? It's because our names mean nothing. When we come before God and we pray, when we say, God, I'm asking for this, or God, I, I worship you, we worship you. Our names mean nothing. Your name is the name of a sinner. Your name is the name of a rebel. Your name is the name of someone who has a who had a dark heart, who was an enemy of God. But when we pray, we come before God because our sin was poured upon Jesus. Jesus' name is then put upon us. The righteousness of Christ is then put upon us. So when we come before God, God sees the righteousness of His Son. So when we pray, we say, Christ, we are spe- God, we are speaking to you in Jesus' name. We are coming before you in Jesus' name because He is our only hope. He is our connection to you. I can't say a prayer and just say in my name. That name means nothing. But if I say this prayer in the name of Jesus, I know God, you will hear me because there is a righteousness over the name of Jesus which has covered my life. And this is why we say in the name of Jesus. If, you, if you've been listening to me and you realize, you know what? You need to put your faith in Christ. I would love to say a prayer with you right now. If maybe you have heard about God and, and maybe this, this message and this explanation of the gospel really reached you, I would just like to say a prayer with you um, and just invite you to put your faith in Jesus. Um, so if that's you, I'm just going to ask you just to close your eyes and I'm going to pray with you. Let's pray. God, I come before you and I thank you for your gospel. I thank you that this is our only way to you. Father, we want to reflect on the fact that Jesus died on the cross. And on the cross, the full anger of God was poured upon him so that your anger would not be towards us, so that we would have access to you. God, I want to pray for someone who's listening to me right now, who realizes that their lives are far away from you. And they want to put their faith in you because they realize that there's nothing they can do to be right with you. They realize that they are a sinner. And Father, right now I want to commit their life. I want to commit their life um, to you. And right now I'm just going to ask you to just follow me in this prayer. I ask you to just to say, Jesus, right now I give you my life and I ask you to give me your life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I ask you to help me to go on this journey of knowing you. Teach me to speak like you. Teach me to think like you. And teach me to live like you. I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name. If you said that prayer, um, I believe that that was a response to the gospel. But it's very important that you find yourself, no matter where you are, um, find yourself a good Bible-believing church. But also, I encourage you um, to find, if if you are already in a church, just to go to your pastor and just say, you know what, I I renewed my my faith on Good Friday. And I believe that uh, this journey is going to be very powerful and very beautiful for you. So thank you so much for tuning in. Um, This is why Good Friday is good. 
this is why Good Friday is good. I encourage you, listen to this again, so that when someone asks you, why do you believe what you believe? Or when someone asks you to explain the gospel, you'll be able to do it with a bit more clarity. So I thank you so much for tuning in. I pray you have a great Good Friday. Uh, please share this video with your friends, with people, even in other churches, with people who you know would be blessed by this. I uh, thank you so much for, for listening, for tuning in. Again, I am Pastor Jay, uh, and this is Faith Point Church. We love you. Uh, if you are in Cape Town, please connect with us. If you are in um, Rustenburg, please connect with us. But if you aren't in Cape Town or Rustenburg, you can just send us messages if you have any prayer requests, and we'd love to pray for you. Otherwise, have a great Easter weekend. Take care and God bless. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I just want to ask you to please subscribe and write a review about what you heard, about what you liked, and maybe even something you'd like me to speak about in the future. And also, please just share it with someone else who you know would really enjoy it or someone who would really just be blessed by the episode or maybe just the whole podcast. Uh, please, let's just spread word out about it. But once again, thank you so much. I hope you have a great day, a great week. I hope you're doing well. Uh, stay tuned because there's so much more to come. Take care. God bless.